Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. Let's turn to Mark at the very end, Mark chapter 16. We're going to jump ahead. We've been studying through Mark. I promise you next week we're going back to where we left off three weeks ago. Uh, we'll be back in, in the end of Mark 8, but this morning, Mark 16. And uh, we're going to read a few verses here about Easter. Uh, you know, every, every Sunday, in reality, we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. That's why the Church of Jesus Christ has met on Sunday since its inception. Uh, but we mark out this Sunday, we do, as a special memorial to why we do everything we do and why we believe everything that we believe. And so we're going to jump ahead this morning to chapter 16 and read what is probably Peter's account that he gave to Mark, inspired by God here this morning to communicate uh, the gospel in this gospel of Mark. You know, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 5, that the gospel can be condensed down uh, into this. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he rose the third day according to the scriptures. And he was seen of Peter and then of the 12 and then of 500 believers at once and many others. And we're going to learn about the many others here this morning. And I pray, I pray you have seen the resurrected uh, Christ, according to the scriptures, that you've seen him by faith, and if not, that today will be the day you will. Let's read uh, verses 1 to 16 of Mark 16, and it says, And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had bought sweet spices, that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? When they looked, they saw the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye see Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him, as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now when Jesus was risen early in the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him, as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and abraded them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not 
shall be damned. We're going to study this verse by verse. Before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer once more. Heavenly Father, as we celebrate this beautiful account that we just read, that um, the grave could not hold you, that you are risen and alive forevermore. Uh, Lord, I pray if there's one here, one watching this morning that doesn't know you as Savior, that they would put uh, their faith and trust in the gospel we just mentioned, that um, you died for our sins according to the scriptures. You were buried and rose the third day according to the scriptures. Lord, that you're coming back according to the scriptures. Lord, I pray that faith would be something that has a dramatic effect in our lives. I pray that our response to your word this morning would be one that glorifies you and celebrates you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the risen Christ, that's verses 1 to 6. It's it's an account we know very well. And there's this appraisal that happens at the grave. Verse 1 tells us that Saturday night, while Jesus was still laying in the grave, once the Jewish Sabbath was over at sunset, Uh, Some of these women that are named here in verse 1, they went out and they bought spices to anoint the body of Jesus. And we understand from that verse then that just like the disciples of Jesus Christ, these very kind and faithful women here, they did not yet have a faith that understood that there would be nobody there to anoint Just like the other disciples of Jesus, they had not understood what Jesus had previously taught, that yes, he would die on the cross. Yes, he would give his life as an atonement for sins, but he wouldn't stay dead, he'd be raised. He had taught them this. His disciples didn't get it. Uh, These ladies didn't get it. Still, what they were doing, what they were planning here, and what they actually went to do, it's a very incredibly God-like act. This whole uh, buying spices and going to anoint Jesus' body. In our Wednesday night studies through the Psalms, we're routinely uh, encountering this uh, Hebrew word chesed. And it means the grace of God to us, uh, the unmerited favor. Sometimes in different Bibles, it might be translated loving kindness or steadfast love. uh, God's never-ending covenant love. Uh, One ancient Hebrew rabbi said that, the greatest human act of that same godlike character quality, that chesed, that grace, the greatest human act would be for you to bury someone. The greatest act of grace you could do for someone is to bury them. Why do you think that is? There's no possibility of them paying you back. There's no ulterior motive on your behalf. I'll tell you what, and it, it breaks my heart that we've lost as many beautiful people in the three years I've been here. But what I do love to see is how this church comes around people who've experienced loss. And in a very similar way as what we see these ladies doing, whether it's just a visit, whether it's a pound cake, whether it's enough barbecue to feed an army, um, you're you're doing what God does. You're reflecting his character in this idea of chesed. And, uh, and grace. And that's what these ladies are doing here for Jesus. They want to honor him. They want to honor all that he was for them by doing this kind, gracious act in memory of him. Then verses 2 and 3. It lets us know that these women got up very early. Some of you did too. I saw you at the sunrise service at Bethel. It was dark when we left way up north there in White Oak. Um, they got up early. They left their home in the early morning hours so that they would get there at sunrise Uh, In reality, this was the first sunrise service that we're reading about here this morning. Now, there was one detail that that concerned them, and it was this. Who would roll the stone away from the door of the sepulcher? Verse 3. 
Now, apparently they were also unaware of the facts we learn in some of the other Gospels that uh, I think we read this morning at the a service at Bethel in, in Matthew's account that the Jewish leaders, they, they knew that Jesus had predicted he'd rise from the dead on the third day. So they asked the Roman government to seal it like this big wax seal and also to put soldiers there uh, to guard it. Apparently these ladies didn't know that contingent was going to be there. Their main concern is how are we going to get in to do this act of grace uh, to Jesus? How are we going to roll this stone away? And as we find out in verse 4, that whole stone situation, it wasn't going to be much of a situation. Why? It was already rolled away. Matthew 28, 2 tells us that an angel descended from heaven. Earthquake happened. I don't know if he used the earthquake or, or just the power that God gave that angel, but that stone was gone from the entrance to the tomb. Why? Why was it rolled away? It was moved not to let Jesus out. Uh, we learn in his post-resurrection appearances, he doesn't have to open doors. He doesn't need a stone rolled away to get in or out of some place. He, in the post-resurrection glorified body, you can just appear places, walk through walls, things like that. With actual physical body you can touch, it messes with our understanding of physics, but God's Word reveals it. It wasn't, let, wasn't rolled away to let Jesus out. Why was it rolled away? Let these ladies in and see the truth of what, of what this angel's about to tell them. To, to let all these people in and see that this tomb is, is empty. There's no body there to anoint. And that's exactly what these ladies did. Uh, they went into the tomb, verse 5. It says, And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were frightened. Mark calls him a young man sitting there clothed in white. All four gospels either outright call him an angel or with language like this imply that he's an angel. A couple of gospels, uh, Luke and John, they list two men there. Matthew and Mark list one. Maybe he was the spokesman of the two, the one, one that actually said something to these ladies. And what's the normal human response to seeing an angel? especially one that's sitting in a grave where you expect to find uh, the body of a loved one. Well, the normal human response is to be frightened. The King James Version uh, word for extremely terrified. That's what these women were. And then we get this announcement from the grave in verse 6. This angel told these ladies, this is the normal angelic response to the human response of fear. Don't be afraid. Don't be frightened. He says, you seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He's not crucified anymore. He's risen. He's, he's not here. Uh, look, behold. Check this out, ladies. This is where they laid him, but there's nobody here. He's alive. And that church, that is the message of Easter. This is the message of the gospel. This is the message of the church of Jesus Christ. Your Lord, who is crucified for the atonement for your sins. Your Lord, who died to reconcile you back to relationship with God through his grace, through faith, to give you eternal life. He's not dead. Your God is alive. And he wants us to believe this. Oh, and there's, for those who receive Jesus as their Savior, the good news about this risen Christ, it has a resulting commission. Now, there's no greater news than this. This is why we all love Easter. This is why we get up early to celebrate and why our minds will be set on this all day long. And I hope that continues into the week ahead. What is to be our response to this amazing truth, this amazing good news that Jesus Christ is alive? Well, we're to be missionaries, and we see a bunch of them here. The angel gives out the, really the first great commission right there at the tomb to these three ladies. <clears throat> Verse 7, he says, But go, 
your way and tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him as he said unto you. So this angel tells them, these three ladies, to go and tell. Now it could be a multitude of reasons for why they say uh, here, Mark, Mark says, the disciples and Peter. Uh, in my heart, I want to believe that He's singled out here because Jesus has a very special interest in restoring this fellow to faith. Peter's not doing too well right now. It was just a couple days ago that he, he denied even knowing Jesus Christ. And the Gospel of John uh, records a special interaction that Jesus had with Peter to accomplish that restoration. I remember Dr. White preaching on that one of his last sermons here uh, when he asked Peter three times, same amount of times that he denied Jesus Christ, do you love me and feed my sheep? Do you love me? Take care of my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Isn't our Savior wonderful? To someone who would betray him, he extends such grace. That's all of us, isn't it? Every single one of us here uh, betraying Jesus Christ by our sin and rebellion. And he has the very same love very same special interest in restoring you and I to relationship with God. Verse 8 tells us that these women missionaries, they quickly left that angelic encounter. They were still in fear and amazement. Uh, and they didn't say anything to any man. It says in verse 8. Now, that doesn't mean they neglected what the angel just told them to do. It doesn't mean that they disobeyed their commission. It just simply means that they didn't stop to inform a bunch of others on the way before they did what this angel told them to. Go tell the disciples and, and Peter about his resurrection. Then, verses 9 through 11 here, uh, we've got a bit of a return to the beginning of, of this account. It's, it's kind of like a summary flashback. Just like Peter, Mary Magdalene is singled out uh, among the previous women who are mentioned. And these verses let us know that she did what the angel told her to do. She went and she told the disciples of Jesus. Now, verse 11, when she did that, what does it say that their response was? Well, they, they didn't believe her report. Do you think that stopped her? Should it stop us? Should the unbelief of people halt our, our great commission response to the gospel of Jesus Christ, to this resurrection? No, she kept going. She kept telling verses 12 to 13. It gives us a brief summary of uh, the encounter Jesus had with two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Luke uh, records that in detail uh, in, the, in the full account. Um, but, but even then, uh, these two disciples who, who recognized Jesus, it says that they went and they told here in verse uh, 13, uh, to the residue, to the rest of the disciples. And what happened to, with their report? Well, the disciples didn't believe them either. And finally, finally, uh, in verse 11, Jesus meets the rest of the disciples in person. The church, the message of Easter is this, go and tell what we're celebrating. Go and tell uh, about Jesus Christ rising from the dead. Not go and tell and force people to believe. You can't do that anyway. Um, not go and tell and get frustrated when people don't believe and then just give up and never do it again. Nowhere to go and tell. We're commissioned to be faithful to do our part, to do our part, to go and tell. And then we let God do his part there. Don't give up when unbelief or rejection comes, when you tell people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just be faithful, be obedient to what he's told you to do, and let him do the rest. Verse uh, 14, 
It says, afterward he appeared unto the eleven. These are guys he lived with for three years. Uh, constantly teaching them, getting to know them. And as they sat at meat, and he upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. So in a very strong word here, it's the only, only time this word upbraided, uh, the only time the Greek word behind that is used in, in all of Jesus's interactions with his disciples. Um, he uses this opportunity to, to get on them a little bit because of their hardness of heart, their unbelief. Yeah, yeah, for not connecting the dots, for not really hearing what he had said for the three years uh, prior, but most of all, notice what it says at the end of verse 14, because you didn't believe what these three ladies told you, because you didn't believe what the two disciples from Emmaus told you. That was the problem there. Um, it's an unbelief that every single one of those disciples was going to encounter pretty soon. As soon as they obeyed the Great Commission, they went into all the world. The then known world, they started in Jerusalem, and spread to Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the world. You think uh, everybody that Paul shared the gospel with embraced Christianity right away? No, we know from the book of Acts that was not the case. Peter, James, John, most of them died as martyrs because people didn't really care <laughs> for the message that they shared. But did they stop sharing it? No. They're just faithful. They did what God asked them to. Uh, they went and told. Their response to Easter was to continue to do that. Go and tell. And it would give them, I think, some patience, some humility, some perseverance with those who initially reject the message of the gospel, the message of Easter. These two, all these disciples here, they rejected it twice in this account before they believed. They had to have Jesus right there in front of them. What's the message? Verses 15 and 16. He said unto them, go ye into all the world. Here's the gospel. Preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So in verse 15, Jesus extends this commission beyond those three ladies, beyond the two disciples, to all 11 and to you and I. This morning, he extends it to everyone who trusts him as Savior. And he tells us to go and to preach or to go and tell. That's what we're to do. And what are we to preach? The gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not to preach our opinions. We're not to preach how to win friends and influence people, how to live a good life and be happy. Now, yeah, some of those things are addressed in God's word. They are, but always as an effect or as a result of our receiving the gospel. There's no sense in giving people a message of how to when they don't even have a message of, or have a capability of want to yet. We have to give them the gospel. That, the want to to do any of those things is only going to come after we have heard and received and believed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Only after we've been saved and, and born again. And Jesus says in verse 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Oh boy. Right? <laughs> We can take this verse and twist it, can't we? We're not going to. There's a lot of plenty of churches that do. What is Jesus saying here? Because wait, I thought it was grace alone and our faith in God's grace alone, in Jesus Christ alone, that saved us. Well, what in the world is this verse saying? Well, don't stop reading, for one. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. All right, so this is a clear message of Scripture, even in this verse. It's the reason the verse continues on. But he that believeth not shall be damned. 
It's not that he that is baptized not shall be damned. It is faith alone in God's grace alone to us in Jesus Christ alone. That is our only hope of salvation. Now, what happens there is a beautiful thing. It's going to happen this morning. It's going to happen next Sunday, Lord willing. It's a testimony. It's an expression of something that's already happened. If you get into that baptismal tank and you haven't received Jesus Christ as your Savior by faith alone and His grace alone, all that's going to do is make you a wet sinner. It's no different getting in the bathtub every morning or shower. But when you do it after you've trusted Christ as Savior, it's this beautiful means of sustaining grace in your life. Just like every act of obedience is to God. Just like coming to church and assembling together. Just like having the Lord's Supper. Just like obeying uh, God's Word throughout the day as you live your, your life every day. All of Scripture tells us it's faith alone. That's how God's saving grace is, is appropriated by us or applied to our lives. How do we know that? Doesn't this seem, no, it doesn't contradict it. Keep reading. But let's just go back three days earlier. Who was on the cross on each side of Jesus? It's two thieves, right? Or two criminals. One of them cursed God, whole way, all the way to death. But one of them, what did he do? One of them turned to Jesus Christ in faith. Now, I guarantee you that fellow was not baptized. In fact, that man's, his hands were nailed to the cross. Couldn't do a thing for the Lord except believe. His feet were nailed to the cross. Couldn't go nowhere for Jesus, serving Jesus. What could he do? Believe. Trust that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, the promised Messiah, sent to save him from her sins. All he could do is believe. That was enough, amen? That was enough. That's all that God requires. That's how we appropriate God's grace. That's how we apply it to our lives. You understand, faith alone confers salvation, gives it to us. Baptism, it confirms it. It says in Romans 10, 9, 10, if we trust and believe in our heart, Jesus is Lord, if we confess with our mouth. All right, so that's a confess with our mouth. That's what that is. It's a testimony of something that's already happened in our life. So yeah, uh, baptism is a display a display of your deliverance. It's something that's already happened. Yeah, baptism's important. It is. Not for saving grace, for sustaining grace. Every obedient act of God, it pours out God's sustaining grace in our lives. It, it strengthens our faith. Baptism is important. Um, important enough for Jesus to command us to do it, as he is here. It's important enough that as a body of believers, we have chosen that this is the name by which we want to be recognized, Dublin First Baptist Church. Yeah, it's, it's important. I want to close with verse 20 this morning. It says, And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following Amen. What did the disciples do in response to this commission? In response to the risen Christ, they went and told. They went and preached the gospel. Five different times in this passage we looked at this morning. Verse 7, verse 10, verse 13, verse 15, verse 20. We've either got go and tell or they went and told. That's pretty important in this short little amount of verses. Five different times. Where did they go? Where did they preach? Everywhere it says here. And Jesus worked with them. So what do you think the message of Easter is all about? Five different times. Go and tell. That's what it's all about. What, what do you think the mission of the church is? It's go and tell. 
Go and share the gospel. What should the effect of Easter be? That we look all cute and pastels? That we get a lot of chocolate? That we have some good barbecue or ham or something later today? It's all good things. No, the effect of Easter should be go and tell. Tell what you believe. Tell what you're celebrating. Why you have joy in your heart this morning. Go and tell the gospel. The end of the gospel in this gospel is one word. Look at the very last word in the gospel of Mark. What is it? Amen. You know what amen means? So be it. So be it. Well, amen. Amen. Go and tell the gospel. So be it. Well, Dublin First Baptist Church and the individuals who compose it, will you go and tell? I say amen. So be it. So be it. I hope that's the effect that Easter has on you.